The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. The sisters of Lazarus sent word to Jesus saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death, but it is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. Martha said, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is to come into the world. He, began, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died. So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, Untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what he had done began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. I don't know about what, what you experienced there with those little ones coming forward, but as they all just came forward in a childlike way and just started all surrounding around with their excitement, and a couple of them waving, and one of them said, I said, are you ready? He's like, yeah, I'm ready. Just this childlike simplicity. So for me, in my own heart, to see that, it was kind of like, it was a sign, right? It's like the Holy Spirit telling me in my, high, in my heart, Richard, be, be like these little ones. Be this excited about the living word of God. 
that's about ready to be proclaimed. It's going to come at us. He's going to speak to us in the today of our life. So much we can learn by the little signs we have in life. And the church is full of signs. And what are signs? We're all, we've all been on a journey. Maybe you've recently been on a journey. Maybe you're a visitor, like some who were here last night. Hey, we're visiting for the first time. If you're, if you're a visitor, welcome. Welcome. I know a family who I've known for many years. I was high school chaplain of that family and others in Atlanta, Georgia. They're here right now. I don't know exactly where. There's somewhere over there. But they're here. They came up and said hello. And as we journey, sometimes we're on this journey and we may see a sign for a rest place. And that tells us the exit is in a mile. And it's a good spot to kind of rest, recollect ourselves, maybe overlook a beautiful river or a lake, and to take a pause. The church is very good at offering signs. And signs point to something. Now when you came into the church, you may have seen something that looked like, hold a sec, Father, we took away the signs that point to Mary and Joseph and the Sacred Heart of Jesus and Jesus on the crucifix cross and all that, those are signs, they point us to the reality of our faith. Yes. But as we prayed, as we sung at the beginning of the, of the Mass, open the hearts, eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. It's to enter into this final week or so of Lent. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and we enter into Holy Week, and to ask God in a childlike way, help me, Holy Spirit, to open the eyes of my heart to the mystery of your love, not only for me and those who I know, but for the whole world. And so by covering up the statues, it's pointing to something. It's calling to our hearts saying, get ready. Something really important is coming. And Jesus wants to show us in our heart how much he loves us. Jesus wants us to open the ears of our heart to hear his living word proclaimed to us. His word, which is eternal, which is a message of love. And as we look at the liturgy of the word today, what we see is we see this example of Jesus going. He waited. It said he waited to go to Lazarus. And yet when he was standing before the tomb, he says, this illness is not meant to be death. Death, it is for God's glory. God's glory. And so Jesus, standing at the tomb with Martha and Mary, encouraging them in their faith. Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, is standing there. And Jesus, standing there with everyone around, around him, gives us an example of prayer. He begins his prayer with, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, in a childlike simplicity, because you always hear me. And I don't do this for me. I don't do this for me, but I do it for them. And when he said them, he meant us too. And he cried out, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. Let us put ourselves at that tomb. Let us put ourselves, let us, in the, in the, in, with the eyes of our heart, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see you in that moment. I know you are real. And I know you cried that cry for Lazarus. And that you cry that cry also for me. For me. 
Jesus is looking at each one of us personally. It's a personal call. All we got to do is read the scriptures. Peter's call was personal. The woman at the well, it was personal. Mary, the mother of God, it was personal. Jesus peers into our heart, sees us. Thanks God for us. I thank you, Father. And he calls each of us. Out of whatever tomb we may find ourselves in. And so what happened in the gospel? Said untie him. Untie him. Untie him. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. My first year of the priesthood, I, I was in Louisiana. And I went to one of those meetings that all the priests and deacons go to. And we had a lunch. And one of the deacons, full-time prison ministry. And he came and he just said to the priest, he said, you know, we're really having a hard time getting priests to go to this maximum state prison. I'm hoping someone will go because the prisoners need confession. They need the sacraments. They're asking. I have to be honest. I have to make confession on that. There's certain ministries we all have. And if we're all honest, truly honest, whether a parent, whether single, whether a priest, right? There's certain things that are going to appeal to us and certain things that aren't. And the idea of going into a maximum state prison and having doors locked behind me wasn't anything that I was really excited about. But in my heart, I felt the tug. Jesus said, I was in prison and you visited me. So in the first year of my priesthood, I said, okay, I'll go, to, I'll, go to the, I'll go with you to the prison. Did all the paperwork, showed up at the prison, got all the bags checked, everything. We had to bring in what, only what we could. The deacon helped bring in the mask kits. Then the doors, wham, 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 wham. We went like four or five doors locking shut. We go into this huge room that's probably about as, the size of this side over here, this whole side, cement floor with a plastic table. The deacon said, Father, I'm going to set everything up as the prisoners come in. That there over there is your confessional. It was a solid steel door. Then all of a sudden, the prisoners started coming in with the cry of the guards, yelling at them in a way like a drill sergeant would. They come in and they position themselves. No chairs. They have to stand in the room. And the deacon said, Father, there's a confessional. I went over there, opened the door. I have to be honest, my knees were kind of knocking. I'm going to go behind a steel door and sit in a broom closet to hear confessions. And I remember the first person coming in, man, I'll be honest, I was scared. <laughs> Nobody's watching, but our Lord was watching. And I was so humbled, so humbled by these souls that truly you could see that they came to the reality, the truth of their own life, and they encountered he who is the truth. It moved me to tears. After hearing confessions went out and we were ready to start mass, and the priest said to me, he said, Father, you know, you gotta let them. You got. You gotta let them pray the petitions spontaneously. 
So at the moment of the prayers, petitions, people started saying their petitions. And then all of a sudden we got the last, very last petition. There was a guy standing in the back that literally, I mean, no joke, he looked like a middle linebacker for the, 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 the Panthers. I mean, he was huge. And he was in the back. And he, he cried out the last petition. And he said, let us pray for the victims of our crimes. And he meant it. Could have heard a pin drop. At the moment of Holy Communion, they came up and they received those who weren't Catholic, who wanted to come, who got their blessing. They were there, they came up. After receiving Holy Communion, every single one of them, I have never experienced an environment of profound silence and prayer than that moment because they fell on their knees on that cement floor and they were wrapped in prayer. They were in need. They had a desire in their heart for a savior and it was almost like you could touch it. Then it came time for the mass to end and the guards started to gather around and you know, a little more commotion. And one of those prisoners came up and said, Father, I need your blessing. It's tough in the yard. And the yard's the place where they all gathered. He says, it's tough in the yard. I need your blessing. So I offered him a blessing and then all 60 of them, wham, lined up and said, give me one of those two. I want one of those two. And I'm like, y'all just received Jesus. They didn't want to leave. And what hit me that, what, what, what really hit me that day was here I am going to walk out into freedom. I'm going to walk out behind all these closed doors. But what I witnessed in those prisoners, though they were locked in behind doors, because they knew the truth about themselves, because they had a desire for this Jesus, a Savior, and they encountered the truth, they truly were set free. They were unbound in a certain way. We've had the theme, this Lent. What do I need to leave behind? Leave behind. What binds me? What binds me from head to foot in my daily life? That binds me like Lazarus in such a way that even my, I'm wrapped and I can't even see Jesus amidst what? All the busyness of my schedule? Has activism bound me up? And we can even have spiritual activism where it's all about doing all these spiritual things and it's all about that and, that, and we actually get bound up in that and lose the meaning. Am I bound up in comparison? The thief of joy. The comparison that not only can hit a child or a teenager who looks to their left and right in their classroom or on the field of play or in their, their drama or in their band and is judging themselves based off others, zapping them of joy, which we as adults, if we're honest, can happen to us in the boardrooms, in our place of work, in our community, where comparison seems to bind us in such a way that we compare ourselves with our neighbors and it saps us of joy. Is it fear? 
Does fear have me bound? Am I, am, I, am I bound with a fear? And you know what? There are real fears out there. I'm not there to just say, oh yeah, yeah, just put your fear away, let it go. I mean, there's real fears out there. The fear of a parent in these times in educating their child and what someone may want to teach them that's totally contrary to the gospel. That's robbing the purity of youth. But Jesus is here to tell you that the truth is your child formed in your womb. I knew him. And your child was born for these times. And you were destined to be a parent for these times. Does fear have me bound up? What's binding me? And you know what's amazing about the gospel today? Jesus didn't unwrap Lazarus himself. He turned to the others, unwrap him. Can I go on the offensive this week in some way, shape, or form and help somebody come out in the light of the truth about God's love for them and to unbind them? Child, a family member, can I unbind somebody through forgiveness? Through offering forgiveness, knowing that as I offer forgiveness, it's different from reconciliation. I may not be able to go to a barbecue with that person or spend a lot of time with that person. I'm not going to get rid of the memories. I'm not going to get rid of the hurt. I'm not going to get rid of the pain. Because when Jesus cried from the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He did that to model for us what to do to be set free. Forgiveness takes one person. Reconciliation takes two. In our human relationships, we may never reach that reconciliation. But Jesus calls us to forgive as he forgave us to set us free so that we're not bound by the angst and the hurt of not forgiven. Not unforgiveness can be like a cancer in the heart. We forgive for the good of our heart. That doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to have reconciliation with the person who has hurt us. My brothers and sisters in Christ, here's the bottom line. What do I need to do? What do I need to leave behind to become unbound, to see Christ with the eyes of my heart, and to walk with Christ, walk with Christ this Holy Week. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you.